You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing great, Dave. How about yourself? I am doing fine. We are sitting here at uh, the uh, end of the uh, first quarter. Actually, we're a few weeks past the end of the first quarter, but it's time for our quarterly market review. That's right. First quarter 2021 in the books. And, yeah. And uh, some good stuff. Some stuff that probably bears more watching, but uh, definitely yeah, um, pretty decent quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Decent is uh, is one way to put it. It's been uh, things have just continued to go well as far as the stock market goes. And, you know, one of the uh, main the main themes that we hear from clients and people we talk to is how, you know, how can the market be as good as it is and how can things keep going the way they have been? Probably something to do with the, the separation between what you might see on an everyday basis and what the market views as good versus bad. And keep in mind that the market's looking always forward looking. So six months right. out as what it's going to be, not necessarily what you see or are experiencing right now. They're forecasting kind of six months into the future. And so if you're asking the stock market what it thinks of six months from now, uh, thinks things are going to be pretty good. I think the best way to kind of walk through that is talk about the uh, the good news and the bad news as far as what's mm. out there right now and, and how the how the market's behaving and how it looks. And you know, the first item on the uh, good news side is that the COVID nineteen vaccine and uh, distribution seem to be uh, ramping up, and uh, hopefully, uh, we are going to see the light at the end of the tunnel here, or we already are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, right? I know that vaccines continue to go up. We continue to break records in terms of the number of vaccinations on a day-over-day basis. And that definitely has the markets thinking that potentially we could get past a lot of this. And I think in, in correspondence, some of the numbers are coming down in regards to that as well. And so from the market perspective, that's great news. On a local level, it's kind of hard to tell because uh, we're sitting here in Michigan, which is uh kind of ground zero for the country right now. But uh, yeah, Michigan's uh, teaching lessons on what not to do right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, with a lot of the variants spreading and, you know, a lot of the numbers going up and, you know, that debate on whether or not to close or to, to remain open um, right. is, is nothing, no more present than what's uh, happening in Michigan right now. With the uh, expectation that the uh, economy is going to, or the, uh, Life in general will return to normal here in the near future. We're expecting economic growth to accelerate throughout the rest of the year, especially in America, where we've seen record levels of government stimulus. From the sounds of it, more on the horizon, uh, if our current uh, president has his wishes granted, um, looks like, you know, big spending on things like infrastructure um, and other things along those lines that could continue to kind of uh, push, push some of the economic growth forward, at least in the short term, for sure. You know, we would expect as uh, as that stimulus takes effect and as people start going out and spending their money again that we'll see a rebound in global economic activity that will produce strong earnings for cyclical companies and companies out there that have been badly hurt during the pandemic will start to see things reverse for them. 
Yeah, you know, and and what happens globally will be interesting. I've been um, listening to a couple of podcasts recently on what's going on with India. And, and, um, you know, we're certainly not through the pandemic, but as we get through it, the global economy should, you know, return to more of a normalcy and and continue to push growth, especially as, you know, demand for certain things start to ramp up and hopefully supply goes along with that. That really should push global economic activity forward. You know, as part of all that government stimulus, we're seeing the uh, Federal Reserve keep short-term interest rates very low right now, as low as they can go, pretty much. So we've got monetary policy that's really geared towards fostering more economic growth. And uh, despite, uh, you know, record levels of debt, uh, we're seeing the uh, Federal Reserve basically uh, keep their foot on the gas. Yeah, and this you know has wide-reaching ramifications. Um, obviously, one of them is your savings accounts are, aren't earning a whole lot of interest. Right. Um, right. But the flip side of that is mortgage borrowing, car loans are also mm-hmm. very low, and so we've seen the housing market um, really take off as as far as the residential housing and. Um, to the point where it's causing um, price increases in lumber and, and things in that of that nature that we've never quite really seen or experienced right. before. So, you know, that, that definitely has a, a wide-reaching ramification, but a, a hot housing market is usually a good sign for the overall economy. True. Yeah. And all of these things together kind of go to answer that question of how can the market keep doing what it's been doing here really since late summer last year. You know, there's been this era of disbelief, but you know, there, there's an old there's an old adage, an old cliche amongst market folks that says basically, don't fight the Fed. And when the Fed when the Fed is saying, hey, we're going to do everything we can to stimulate the economy, the market's going to respond, and the economy's going to respond, and don't fight it, go with it. And they're definitely, you know, going out guns blazing with a lot of that stuff. And, and kind of the combination of not only the Fed, but also the government, when you have right. economic stimulus and low interest rates, it's kind of a double whammy and, and the market is responding accordingly. Right, right. Now there's a flip side always, right? Always some bad with some with the good. <laughs> so on the uh, on the other side of the scale, you know the the virus does continue to evolve. Um, we're seeing very dire circumstances in the India right now, where a couple of months ago it seemed like they had the COVID situation pretty much in hand, and so there's always that concern globally that we could see things turn and new variants and you know what have you. A great example of how connected we are in the world right now when it comes to things like distribution um, is the canal when the when uh, yeah. the ship got stuck in the canal. In the Suez Canal, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and which is something that, you know, we never really probably, I'm not sure if it's happened before or not, but it's something <laughs> that just that one ship being stuck caused massive problems from a distribution standpoint. Right. Um, and so the same could be said is if we have more lockdowns in, in countries and regions that could continue to affect potential economic growth and, and development because of the supply chain and the issues with that. Yeah, there's some concern about inflation and what that would mean for the economy and the bond market with all of the uh, stimulus that we've got in the pipeline and with the Federal Reserve committed to very low interest rates. 
The flip side of all of that is that all that money flowing into the economy at once can create inflation beyond uh, beyond the norm. Yeah, that's, you know, and interestingly enough, hard place to be in the Fed shoes as their mm-hmm. number one task is always inflation, keeping inflation in task above everything else. Right. Um, and so now they're kind of in the standpoint of how far do we push this, knowing that inflation is probably going to result in the things that we're doing right now. And, and where, where do you draw that line? And when do you start to pull back? And, and how does inflation mm-hmm. affect that? So that will be interesting to watch going forward for sure. Right, right. And uh, now what the Fed's response to that question would be that, you know, the inflation that we may see here in the short run will be what they call transitory and um, really is just making up for the inflation we didn't have last year. So, you know, it may be it may be higher, but it makes up for a period that was lower and we end up with an average that's right about where they want it to be. So far over the last uh, several years, the Fed has done a pretty good job managing inflation. I've heard, you know, different opinions on that. But, uh, you know, by and large, I don't think we can complain too much. It's always a question, though. It's much more of an art than a science, I think. And, you know, nobody really knows the true answer to what buttons they're pushing and how they're going to affect mm-hmm. things. And so it's really kind of a guess and check. And, and yeah. I would tend to agree that I think that they've done a good job of that. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it was them or kind of how things played out is a different conversation. But so far, we haven't really had inflation as a concern for a long time. Right. Right. And so uh, so some other things to keep an eye on, you know, we've seen a, a rotation in the markets and, you know, some folks see this as a, as a potential problem. Others see it as a potential bullish sign, but really we saw a narrow group of large companies, growth oriented tech companies lead the way over the last several years. And they've kind of struggled so far in 2021 relative to uh, the broader market. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, maybe some leadership changes. I personally, I, I view that as a good thing. If we're seeing the rest of the market still rise, that, that seems to say that investors are looking for, uh, other opportunities. Yeah. I kind of view it as a good thing as well. And and it's interesting, the dynamic of what's going on with those bigger fang stocks and you know the potential of antitrust and breaking them up and you know there's a lot more going on than necessarily their profitability right now Um, but i do agree with you that i think it's it's a good sign that we're seeing some other companies and industries really do well um, as we kind of come out of the pandemic the other the other thing to kind of keep an eye on that kind of goes with inflation and you know whenever we're talking macroeconomics these things all kind of fit together like uh, gears. But, you know, if we see that higher inflation, we're going to see the bond market uh, kind of struggle too. So when we see uh, when we see a high, higher inflation, we'll see higher interest rates eventually, whether the Fed wants it or not. And uh, the bond market already, you know, we're going to look at numbers here from the first quarter, but we saw the bond market lag pretty badly in the uh, first quarter of 2021. And if we do see uh, signs of inflation, we'll see uh, more trouble there. That's one of those that is uh, good news, bad news as well, right? So if you're, you know, if you're trying to play the timing game, you're trying to time that out. But 
The flip side of bonds and interest rates rising is yes, bond performance goes down, but it's in conjunction with stock prices going up, which is kind of exactly what you want when you're building a diversified portfolio. And it also means that if things turn around and go the other way, there's some room for bond yields, interest rates to go down. So bond mm-hmm. prices can go up when the stock market might not be going up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, getting back to uh, something other than extremely low interest rates is actually good for the economy overall for exactly what you're saying. Just painful to go through sometimes, especially <laughs> right. depending on how, how much you have in bonds and bond holdings. So, so if we look at, if we look at how the uh, first three months of 2021 played out in the, the broad U.S. stock market, we saw gains of about 6.35%. That's using the uh, really broad Russell 3000 index. It's kind of the best measure. And we saw international developed stocks be up about 4%. That was, would be a good solid returns for the year, but that was just a quarter. Yeah, and impressive returns coming off the fourth quarter of last year, which was also very, very good. So kind right. of back-to-back good quarters. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the, one, the one from this quarter that kind of surprises me with everything going on and the changes in the economy is that global real estate was up 6 almost six and a quarter percent for the, mm. uh, for the year. And I, you know, that's not one I would have expected with, uh, the fact that interest rates did rise a bit during the first quarter. And we're going to talk about bonds here in a minute, but, uh, you know, with the shifts and how we're using office space and those kind of things, I guess that's offset by, by the housing market you know, in a lot of respects. Yes, definitely an interesting dynamic. Another thing that's interesting, just looking at these numbers here, emerging markets were up slightly, but, you know, compared to the about 2.2% compared to international and U.S. stocks, which were up four and six respectively. And I think that just speaks to kind of the disparity in some of the more developed nations to get the vaccine, get things kind of stabilized, where we haven't really seen that to the same degree in in the emerging market sector and probably part of the reason for the lag there. Meanwhile, domestic bonds, American bonds were down about three and a third percent for the quarter. Another, um, you know, like we talked about with interest rates going up, bond prices go down and that's kind of exactly what we saw last quarter. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, kind of to talk again about that, what that means in the long run from a technical standpoint. So one of the, uh, one of the indicators you use to try to measure the health of the economy is what we call the yield curve. It looks at how bonds of different maturities compare to each other. So we look at really short-term treasury notes compared to uh, the 10-year compared to the uh, 20-year and 30-year bonds that are out there. And going into this quarter, we had a very flat yield curve, meaning Longer-term bonds weren't yielding much more than short-term bonds. And we've got a situation now where the Fed has pledged to keep short-term rates really low, but we saw long-term rates, which is reflected in this minus 3% per bonds during the quarter, start to come up. When bond yields come up, bond prices go down. Mm-hmm. So, so we're starting to see that uh, turn into a more normal yield curve where further out, you get higher interest rates for investing longer term. And while, yes, we had to see the bond market drop 3% to get there, in the long run, 
a normal yield curve is actually a sign of expectations of a stronger economy down the road, where a flat yield curve like we had still shows that people are really worried about where the economy's headed in the future. Yeah. So, you know, like we talked about, it's just because the bond market is down doesn't mean doom and gloom. We've actually some right. good positive things coming out of the quarter, even though bond prices have gone down as a result. So, uh, you know, the, the we always like to look at uh, where things were a year ago. And uh, yeah. if, we, if we graph out the uh, market returns from uh, March 31st of 2020 to March 31st of 2021, <laughs> 62.5% for the U.S. stock market. But uh, that, the timing of that almost with, I think, I think the quarter ended a week after the bottom of the market last right. year. The market bottomed yeah. out around March 23rd. So, uh, well, it's kind of neat to look at those numbers there you know, not very meaningful. Yeah. You know, the one year numbers are definitely skewed and um, yeah. it, it doesn't happen very often that we get like the, the perfect timing of when the market bottoms out yeah. at the end of the quarter so that we can come back with one year numbers that look kind of outrageous, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. And which is why we never put too much stock in what happens in the short term, you know, three, six, 12 months, because mm-hmm. That can be, you know, that can be very subjective to when the quarter ends and what the market did previously. And so always looking kind of at the longer term numbers. And so, but that being said, great recovery and and things went fantastic last year after we kind of bottomed out for sure. Yeah. And, uh, but but interesting too, you know, so on this same chart, we've got the 10 year U.S. stock market return and it's 13.79% for the last 10 years as an average. And so that gives you an idea of how performance since 2011 has looked when you compare that to the long, long-term average, which, you know, depending on what you want to count, I know for the S&P 500, you know, 10% is a pretty good rule of thumb long-term average. So we're seeing that outperform. Yeah, it's it's very interesting um, when you look at this chart, when we start looking at the five and the 10-year numbers, the U.S. stock market outperformance, especially when you look at the numbers of the international markets and the emerging markets in that same vein, because those 10-year numbers are much lower. I mean, international developed did five, emerging markets did three, and so... This is where diversification is important, but also hard to do because you look at these numbers and you say to yourself, man, why don't I just have everything in the U.S. stock market? Right, right. (laughs) And unfortunately, if you had that same conversation 10 years ago, good on you for being exactly right. But the chances of that are slim to none. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and these things are cyclical. We talk about it all the time where the next 10 years, you know, it's probably not going to be the U.S. stock market that outperforms. But instead of trying to figure it out, having a diversified portfolio with international developed and emerging markets, you know that your average is still going to be a really good return, even if it's not going to be the best one out of all of those. One thing to keep in mind is is when we have when we build these port all of our clients are in some form of a diversified portfolio that includes stocks and bonds, and so even with uh, even with negative returns from the bond market for the first quarter of twenty twenty one, 
even the more conservative models that are mostly in bonds still showed positive returns, which, which I thought was, was interesting with, uh, with the bond market being down three and a third percent. I was a little, I was pleasantly surprised to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, just speaks to the importance of diversification. So, uh, so one thing that we, uh, kind of noticed over the last it's we're really going on about six months now with the changeover in, in market leadership and it became even more pronounced over the last uh, couple months but when we look at the measure of small companies and particularly what we call value oriented small companies so stocks of companies whose uh, share prices are low relative to their earnings we actually saw 21 percent returns for the first quarter that's incredible. And, and if you are joining us on YouTube, and we'll probably have a link to this, we will have a link to this in the show notes. Uh, but this chart just kind of is, is mystifying to some degree when you look at what the small cap value index has been able to do compared to everything else. And again, I, I keep harping on, I'm going to sound like a broken record about diversification. But if you look at that, you know, U.S. 10-year return, well, that's a combination of large, mid, small cap value growth. And so even inside of U.S. stock market, there's still decisions to be made as far as what you own and what drives that. And, and you really can never tell what's going to be that big driving force that particular quarter, that particular month. This month, it was obviously small cap value, but that previously large cap growth had really been dominating for a while. It's interesting. If you look historically, the best returns over history have always come out of small cap value, but it's been a long time since, since it was the leader. But now it's you know the leader by almost a two per, uh, 100% margin. So... Uh, right. Well, <laughs> see, see how it plays out over time, but it's it's just interesting observations. Right. But, you know, really, what everybody wants to know is where are we going from here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So where are we go? Where are we going, Nick? What's next? <laughs> <laughs> the million dollar question, which is why right. we never try to predict it because we can't, right? right? And and the other, you know, just going back to that slide, the other part of trying to predict and project is if you're wrong by one quarter. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a huge difference. It's a huge part of the growth for small value is probably going to be what happened in that twenty one percent quarter. And if you miss it, it's hard to catch that up and and make that back. So that's why holding, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of small cap, a little bit of large cap, and and making it appropriate to your risk level makes all the sense in the world. Not trying to to be the hero, just trying to get, you know, the the return that. You should not necessarily more than that. Not chasing returns. There's the the really popular chart. I hear some some advisors call them quilt charts, and I didn't include it in this slide deck. But remind me later this afternoon. I will add it before we post this to the notes, where it shows in, in colors how the market leadership changes year after year over year. Like, uh, right. and you really see that there's very little predictability or pattern to uh oh yeah to uh which asset class is going to be the one for the next right. quarter yep so uh yeah you know you just you just aren't gonna know and so you diversify and uh be smart about uh portfolio construction and uh you know the big thing is uh like now you know when you consider what do we do right now well the stock market, it's, it's been a little bit unbelievable. 
but the bond market's down. So what do we do? We rebalance just like, just like our yep. normal discipline would tell us to do, which means we're taking some of those profits out of the stock side and putting them back into the bond side that's down. Because when those, when, when the winds of change arrive, we'll have bought lower and be selling higher. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of rebalance, right? It forces you to, on a systematic basis, buy low and sell high. And that's exactly what you want to be doing. We'll, uh, we'll see what the next couple of months bring and uh, see where we stand next quarter, but uh, off to a good start for the year and uh, cautiously optimistic about where we're heading. Yeah, definitely a good start to the year. You know, we if we would take this start to every year, but we'll definitely <laughs> yeah. t- definitely take it in 2021 yeah. and and kind of see where things go from here. Um, but like you said, you know, it's a good start to the year and and hopefully we can kind of continue to see the economy rebound and recover and the stock market reflect that. Yep. Sounds good. All right. I will uh, catch up with you later. Always a pleasure, Dave. Thanks. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.